bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and welcome to Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. This week marks several milestones. For one, it's the 25th anniversary of the CDFI Fund. 25 years ago yesterday, September 23rd, President Bill Clinton signed into law the Regal Community Development and Regulatory Improvement Act of 1994. That bill created the CDFI Fund in order to promote economic revitalization and community development. The CDFI Fund now oversees several community investment incentives, including the New Marcus Tax Credit. You can check out the September issue of the Neurofagratic Journal of Tax Credits for a special feature story on the CDFI Fund's 25th anniversary and important milestones over the years. And speaking of silver anniversaries, this week also marks 25 years since we held the first Novogratic Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Conference. That was in San Francisco on September 28th through the 30th, 1994. Novogratic now hosts three affordable housing conferences every year, with the next one coming up in just two weeks, on October 3rd and 4th in New Orleans. I do hope to see you there. Turning now to this week's podcast, I'll talk about congressional efforts to avoid a government shutdown on October 1st, proposed appropriations funding for HUD for fiscal year 2020, as well as updates to the Novogratic Opportunity Funds listing. And after that, I'll have brief news on proposed HUD rule changes regarding implementation of the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act, or HOTMA, $5 million in Choice Neighborhood Awards, low-income housing tax rate compliance monitoring relief for certain wildfire disaster areas in California, as well as a proposed state store tax credit for California. If you're ready, let's get started. Will there be a government shutdown next Tuesday, October 1st? Hopefully not. As we speak, Congress is working to avoid a shutdown by virtue of a stopgap funding bill. House Democrats unveiled a short-term spending bill last Wednesday, and the House passed a continued resolution with a vote of 301 to 123 mostly along party lines. Now, the the continued resolution would keep the government funded through November 21st, the last day of votes before the state and district work period during the week of Thanksgiving. Now, a continuing resolution would allow lawmakers to negotiate and finalize individual appropriations bills, all 12, including Transportation HUD, or T-HUD, funding. The Senate Appropriations Committee on Thursday did advance T-HUD appropriations legislation for fiscal year 2020. The Senate Appropriations Committee approved the legislation unanimously, a vote of 31 to 0. Now that bill provides $56 billion in total for HUD. $7.4 billion of that is offset with receipts from the Federal Housing Administration and the Government National Mortgage Association, or Ginnie Mae. So in essence, the net funding level for HUD is $48.6 billion for fiscal year 2020 in the bill. Now, that's $48.6 billion is an increase of $2.3 billion over the prior year, over the fiscal year 2019 level. And in terms of rental assistance, this legislation provides $23.8 billion for tenant-based Section 8 vouchers, $7.5 billion for public housing, and $12.6 billion for project-based Section 8 rental assistance. The measure also provides $3.3 billion for the Community Development Block Grant Program, and $1.3 billion for the Home Program. Well, the next step for this legislation is full Senate consideration of the bill. 
Now, I expect the full Senate to take up the THUD appropriations bill in the coming weeks. And as I mentioned in previous podcasts, the House did pass 10 of the 12 appropriations bills for 2020 before the August recess, but those bills were written and passed before the Bipartisan Budget Act set the overall budget. Now, the full Senate has not passed any appropriations legislation yet. Now, I'll keep you posted on any progress in future episodes. Next, I'm excited to share with you an update a Novogratz Opportunity Funds listing. As you may know, Novogratz tracks and compiles data on Opportunity Funds and their plans. Now, I should note there's no centralized national database of Opportunity Funds, nothing that's publicly available at this point. Now, funds do report certain data to the IRS as part of their annual tax filings. And as you know from listening to this podcast, there have been legislative initiatives to increase reporting requirements for Opportunity Funds. And if and when that happens, we would expect the IRS to share more comprehensive information on the funds. For now, as I've said, there's no comprehensive publicly available information on Opportunity Funds. However, the Novogratic Opportunities Funds listing is a collection of information that's been self-reported by each fund, and that's contained in the listing. As such, this listing is a subset of all Opportunity Funds, those that are reporting or making their data otherwise available publicly. Now, at the time of this recording, Novogratz is tracking 264 qualified opportunity funds. Now, together, those 264 funds are seeking to raise more than $63.5 billion for investment in opportunity zones. Now, listed qualified opportunity funds range in size and areas of focus. Ten of the 264 funds actually have a capacity of $1 billion or more targeted. Meanwhile, two-thirds of the funds report a capacity or a fundraising goal of $100 million or less. Out of the 264 funds that are on our list that we're tracking, we have fundraising information, self-reported information, for 112 qualified opportunity funds, or 112 of the 264 funds. Those 112 have raised, they report having raised, about $2.5 billion dollars or 9.7% of their goal, their fundraising goal, of $25.8 billion. Now, for comparison, in June of this year, the last time Novogratz measured the amount of funds raised by qualified opportunity funds on the list, 40 opportunity funds reported raising $790 million. That means since June, the amount of reported fundraising on our list nearly tripled. Now, that's not that surprising. We have a larger data set now. There are more funds listed. Also, there was a June 20th deadline related to the Opportunity Zone's 180-day reinvestment requirement for 2018 partnership capital gains. Now, I did write a Notes from the Novogratz blog post on the Opportunity Fund's listing. I wrote it and published it last week. I'll have a link to the blog post and funds in today's show notes, and I'll tweet it out as well. Also, if you're managing a qualified Opportunity Fund and would like to be included in our listing and or share your fundraising information, please contact, please email cpas at novaco.com. I also encourage anyone who is interested in or active in the Opportunity Zones Incentive to join us for Novogratz 2019 Opportunity Zones Fall Conference in Chicago next month. It's being held October 24th and 25th. Now, the agenda includes a panel dedicated to fund sponsors. Panels will talk about the types of opportunity fund investments they've made and what they plan to make. I'll include a registration link in today's show notes and send out a tweet. Now, in other news, HUD proposed a rule last week to implement changes made by the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act, or HOTMA. 
The HOPMA is the legislation that was enacted in 2016 that updated and improved several HUD programs. HUD's proposed rule includes changes to the Housing Act of 1937 in order to allow provisions of HOPMA to take effect. The proposed rule does include changes to income reviews for public housing in Section 8, as well as other changes that set maximum limits on assets allowed for families in public housing and Section 8 housing. There's a link to the proposed rule in today's show notes. I should, you should note, comments are ex- being accepted through November 18th. HUD also announced more than $5 million in awards to four communities through the Choice Neighborhoods program. The funds will help local leaders draft comprehensive plans to transform neighborhoods. The lucky cities and public agencies that receive the awards are in Huntsville, Alabama, Omaha, Nebraska, Rome, Georgia, and Trent, New Jersey. And in news from the IRS, the IRS published a notice last week that expanded the emergency housing and compliance monitoring relief for low-income housing tax credit properties affected by last year's California wildfires. This notice extends the temporary housing period for which tax credit properties can be used through July 31, 2020. Now this applies to Butte, Los Angeles, and Ventura counties. The compliance review delay for low-income housing tax credit properties is until either November 25th or a year after a building was placed back in service. If you have any questions, please contact Jim Kroger in our Walnut Creek, California office. In state-level news, the California legislature has approved a bill to nominally create a state store tax credit, and the legislation is now on the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom. The California store tax credit would be for 20% of qualified rehabilitation expenditures. Now that applicable percentage, credit percentage, would jump to 25% of qualified rehabilitation expenditures in certain cases. For example, developments eligible for the 25% state store tax credit would include rehabilitated structures with affordable housing for low-income households. Now, overall, there would be a statewide program cap of $50 million per calendar year, and there would be two set-asides. There'd be $2 million annually for residences and $8 million annually for projects with qualified rehab expenditures of less than $1 million. Now, I say the historic tax credit is nominally approved because the California historic credit would not be effective until the year 2021, and it would go through 2026, but the state of store tax credit still requires annual approval by the legislature of the expenditures, such that a future approval by the legislature would be needed in order for the funding to take effect. Now, Governor Newsom has until October 13th to sign the bill. If he doesn't sign or veto the legislation, the bill does become law. Now, as you may know, 35 states have state-level historic tax credits. And so far this year, Hawaii has added a credit, and Rhode Island and Delaware extended the sunset date for their state credits. The September issue of the Nervigat Journal of Tax Credits does have a special focus on the historic tax credit. And the issue includes an article by Bill McRosty of McRosty Historic Advisors as to what makes a good state historic tax credit. I'll include a link to subscribe to the journal in today's show notes. And we also have state-level news from Michigan. Two Michigan state-level departments recently launched a website about the state's opportunity zones and corresponding tax incentives. Now, the website is a resource for investors, entrepreneurs, community leaders, developers, builders, and others. The website is www.miopportunityzones.com. That's miopportunityzones.com. The site is a joint project of the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, MISHDA, and the Michigan Development Corporation. 
I'll tweet out the link. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I do hope that you'll be joining us in St. Louis for the Novogratic 2019 Historic Tax Credit Conference. We're excited that U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana will be our keynote speaker on Friday morning. We'll also have exciting panels, including sessions on using historic tax credits and opportunity zones, and how to negotiate and close an historic tax credit transaction. Once again, I do hope to see you there. And that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.